0: Boom! We are live, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. It's your boy, Nolan Hawkeye, Anthony, here. Wherever you may be, however you may be listening, welcome to the NHA Podcast. Of course, this is either the 126th or 125th episode of the NHA Podcast. The only reason why I don't exactly know is because we do have pure basketball podcasts and pure wrestling podcasts like we just did with two-time national champion Chuck Yagla, the champion of champions. Go check that out. But either way, this entire season has been phenomenal. The journey has been phenomenal. The listens, uh, the, the amount of shares that you guys have been doing has increased from the first game of the basketball season to, the, to this last one against Oregon. Uh, in other words, it's been a very, very steady growth, and for that, I am very grateful. Uh, the NHA podcast is very grateful, and 247Harker.com is very grateful. All right, let me welcome you guys to my guest, Paul. Paul, how are you doing, buddy?
1: I'm doing pretty good. Did you say this was our almost 125th or 126th attempt to record this podcast?
0: <laughs> yeah, I believe it's <laughs> official one, Yeah. <laughs> Folks, you know what? I'm going to let you in on, on that joke. You know, the, the reality is sometimes podcast the connection. So the truth is we have probably done like 200 recordings, maybe even more than that. I mean, it's been a lot of recordings. Um, before we get into basketball, and I just want to get, I want to get into basketball real quick. Uh, and again, no wrestling, just basketball and football uh, today. Um. Uh, smash that follow button on, on Twitter, Parler, at 247Hawkeye. But I think you should subscribe to Facebook, Nolan, Hawkeye, Anthony. That's where you'll be able to see all the content much easier that we pump out, uh, and so on, and so on, and so on. All right, Paul, let's get into this Iowa basketball thing. There's a lot going on here. You know, you, you already heard me before ask you kind of about the, the fans with regards to Iowa basketball I, and the Facebook question, folks, the Facebook question I put out was, what will Iowa be next year as a basketball team? I don't know what the majority of the votes are. Uh, however, uh, you know, Paul, for you, it, if I were to ask you the question, you know, yourself, where? It, you know, is Iowa going to be a top 25 team next year? Uh, are those the expectations? Are the expectations just to be an NCAA team, tournament team? Uh, is it to be an NIT team? If I were to ask you that question, how would Paul Monahan answer that question?
1: But, well, you know, it's going to be really hard to answer that without knowing for sure whether or not Camp uh, would be returning. Right. So, I mean, with Camp, I think this is uh, – yeah, uh, I, I think they're an NCAA tournament team without him. They're an NIT, perhaps a bubble team, but uh, I mean, that's, that's it in a nutshell for me. The answer is the, you know, the, the difference between, you know, being an NIT type team and being a NCAA tournament team is having consistency. A player. And, yeah. and, uh, and, and I do think Iowa has some, some young talent and budding stars, a uh, Keegan Murray among them. Uh, but You've got to have that. Uh, and we've talked about it, quote unquote, senior leadership or, or that veteran presence. And that's really, uh, you know, what we would really want out of Wieskamp to be the guy that, you know, uh, the slump buster, the 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 run, the run stopper. You know, I, I would like right. a bucket. You've got to have a guy that, you know, you can go to. And uh, yes. And, and so, you know, uh, the uh, and you know, it's, there's only five guys on a basketball court at a time. So you've got to, you've got to have high talented players and, you know, uh, an NBA prospect like Joe East camp makes you better.
0: A hundred percent. I agree with all the polls points, ladies and gentlemen. I thought that was very well said. The only thing that I would say, you know, looking back at this past season, You know, me and you, Paul, we talked about senior leadership, you know, with quotation marks many times. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we would commonly say, you know, it it doesn't matter until it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter until you're on the court and it officially does not matter. Mm -hmm. But where it does, uh, where you're absolutely right is, you know, what has made Iowa and Fran McCaffrey much more successful than maybe they probably could should have been many years has been the fact that they've had a guy you know nearly every year that could go and get them twenty points each night. You had Aaron White, you had Jared Utah, you had Peter Jack, you had Tyler Cook, and then you know uh, Tyler Cook slash Luca Garza. Uh, and, you know, Joe Camp would be that next guy. He would be that guy for the archives. Now, I do think that this Iowa team, compared to other teams, you know, Paul, if I look at this Iowa team and, uh, versus the Iowa team that lost to Tennessee in the round of 32, a very familiar saying, mm-hmm. unfortunately, to me... It, you know, obviously, you know, it's massive that Iowa is losing Luca Garza. And a thousand percent, I want to say that you said that, uh, it, you know, it most of this depends on Joe Wieskamp. And on that, you and I are agreed. But when they lost Tyler Cook, you know, so many folks, that was the year, two years ago, that folks were saying, you know, Iowa will be lucky to be a 15-win team. And the, the talent that Iowa had was very underrated. And I will say this, the difference between one year and, and the next for a star player, you know, when we look at some of the jumps that guys like Utah has made or even Aaron White or Devin Marvel, you know, the jump that these guys make from one year to the next can be very, very sizable. And yes, I'm looking at Keegan Murray, ladies and gentlemen. I think he is that good. Uh, I also think that Iowa has a very, very nice group of six, seven to six, nine guys that they will also have next year. We're talking Pat McCaffrey, Chris, uh, Chris Murray, which we, you know, we only saw in spurts this year, you know. Um, you know, I'm going to come back to Chris Murray here in a second. Uh, you know, Keegan Murray, uh, uh, you know, Wieskamp technically, you know, he's 6'7". Uh, I, 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 uh, and then next year, it'll be Peyton Sanford. And I actually like him a lot to be able to come in and give 10 plus minutes. So I guess what I'm saying, Paul, is that for me, I, it, one thing I am comfortable with is Fran's ability he hasn't always done it, but he's done it for the most part. His ability to round his guys out, get his top guy to where he, he needs to be. And then also, just, I mean, the reality is, Paul, Iowa will have a top 15 offense next year regardless.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, not that. Um, so... For me, this team moving forward, as Paul said, a ton of it hinges on Joe Wieskamp. Without Joe Wieskamp, for me, this team is an NIT team, as Paul said, or a bubble team. I I do not see why they cannot make the NCAA tournament next year, even without Luca Garza and Joe Wieskamp. I'll put it to you this way, folks. Iowa programs have lost more than Luca Garza and Joe camp. I know that sounds like a big statement, but they have lost more before. Maybe not the Fran McCaffrey teams, but other teams have. I mean, we're, you know, the B.J. Armstrong team uh, with, uh, you know, Devin Marble Sr. I mean, there's been some teams, Paul, that have lost a lot. Uh, now, were they Luca Garza? You know, no, definitely not. I mean, Luca Garza is his own thing altogether. With Joe camp. I see this team as a top
1: twenty-five team. And yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I want to make a point on Keegan Murray here because I think this has been lost. Make it so early on in the season. Keegan Murray—he's a freshman. He—he uh, he was not on anybody's radar. He's not on anybody's scouting report. There, nobody really even knew who he was. By the time the Big yeah. Ten tournament, the NCAA tournament had rolled around uh i guarantee you he's on people's boards he was on the opponent's boards know who he is know what he could do yes um and yet he was putting out the same or even better production at the end of the year as he was at the beginning of the year when people realize look he can he can give you know he he can go for 10 to 12 points get two or three blocks two or three steals uh you know he, he could he could fill up a stat sheet, uh, and, and you say well early you know in the non conference things like that okay, but he was still doing those things at the end of the year, and so by next year, uh, with an opportunity in, to to really hit the weights to get bigger, uh, you know the right way to get to get stronger, and and his basketball IQ is just off the charts, and, and it's off the charts it's going to be so fun to see him over the next couple of years because uh you know he he, he he still has room to grow but what what a surprise what a what a fantastic uh revelation he 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 was for the hawkeyes this year
0: in my opinion he was he is iowa's best nba prospect uh from and I know I'm not really sure how much that is saying from a young age, but it, even even if I take out the young age part, Keegan Murray is very much in my eyes Iowa's best NBA prospect. At six foot eight, very athletic, can handle the rock. He can shoot. He can, he plays with his back to the basket. He does it all, Paul. Now the question is: the question isn't necessarily about Keegan Murray. Obviously. Uh, how big of a jump Keegan Murray makes will be a big deal. And by the way, folks, me and Paul will both give our starting lineups, and there's much more to get to than what we're just talking about here. But much of it will hinge on the development of everybody else. You know, I was really high on C.J. Frederick. Um, and th- this leads me into the next thing, Paul, that you and I were texting about. It came out that C.J. Frederick was injured. Yeah but we already knew that. I don't think we knew the extent, uh, but we knew he was injured, but he, he leveled off big time. And, you know, uh, two points that I also want to make me and Paul were the ones that did say 100% that Keegan Murray was Iowa's third, fourth best player, probably a couple of games into the big 10. I want to say that as well. I mean, so, and especially you, Paul, you saw that really good. And, and that was fantastic. Um, going back to CJ Frederick, you know, I thought that he was Iowa's third best player. And I got to say, you know, I don't really understand why his game changed so much. You know, he could defend, but yet he couldn't still shoot at the same volume he was shooting at. I don't really understand that. I don't understand it and then also you know i said all season long that every single player outside of luca garza and joe wieskamp was interchangeable and that was never there was never a point that was shown more of that being true than against oregon and the reality is cj frederick i don't know for sure if he's going to become a 10 plus point score. Like I thought he was going to Paul. I don't. Uh, and then also I want you to comment a little bit on, you know, Connor McCaffrey being injured and the fact that Fran McCaffrey did not game plan for that uh, and did not take that into consideration, especially when you're going against a team that was as athletic as Oregon yeah. was.
1: So, you know, I'm not going to try to make excuses for CJ Frederick. I'm going to yeah. refer to your uh, expertise as someone who's played big time college athletics, uh, who's who's played yeah. high level basketball. Um, so when we're talking about uh, lower leg, feet, ankles, things like that, um, those things, uh, you may you know maybe maybe you can still run and cut and do things like that. But when we're talking about lift on a jump shot or, or and, and and not just the the lift that you need, but um, the landing aspect of it. could there have been a confidence mm. issue with CJ Frederick of I don't have the lift for the jump shots I don't have and, and what you know when I come down, how is that going to feel? Could that have played any kind of role do you think?
0: Uh, that's a great point. yes, but I will also put a caveat on on that. Uh, you know we saw him, defending really hard you know when the when the adrenaline gets going um if you're if the pain is is to the point where you can play and the adrenaline is going I'm not saying that you forget about the injury but it's not as big of a deal when you get going and every you know player that has played at that level knows that that's why you know as long as you can get to 75 percent you're good but I will say uh as far as the shooting goes I don't see why he shouldn't have been shooting, but we did clearly see Paul uh, that on on almost every shot that he took, he was very concerned about getting rolled up under for sure. There's no question.
1: And, and so, uh, aside from the the that aspect of it, um, again, he doesn't have the lift, uh, you know, and, and the jump shot and things like that. If he's if he was lacking confidence in his ability to do it what we saw was him passing up wide open looks
0: and wide so, open. Uh,
1: and we're talking about a guy who throughout the season was, was shooting what over 40%, almost 50%.
0: He was a 50%. Um, yeah. Nearly 50% three point shooter for much of the season. Paul. And
1: so when, when we needed him uh, and, and we needed Connor and, and, and I know you talked about this uh, extensively on, on the, you know, post game reaction pod, we had three starters give us zero points. And and now we come to find out after the fact that two of them, you know, probably based on what we're hearing, maybe shouldn't have even seen the court. Now I understand you you don't – it's the NCAA yep. tournament. And, you know, if a guy can go and he's been cleared or whatever, you're going to – but, you know, it, it are you hurt or are you injured? Because if, if you're hurt right. and you can play through it, fine. If you're injured – uh, you know, that's, a, that's another story. And, and I almost think it's a disservice at this point for fan McCaffrey to have come out after the fact and said, well, you know, these guys were a lot more hurt than, than we ever put out there or, or that, that you guys, yeah. well then if they were that hurt, what were they doing out there? And, yeah. you know, it, it, if they were that hurt, how could they have played <laughs> in two games in, in such a short time? Uh, you know, and, and, you know, I, I, this kind of takes me into a question that I had for you about this. So, cause I have seen yeah. online where people were talking about um, some of the different things that, that led to that lopsided loss and was Oregon uh, effectively getting a first round by uh, how much of an impact do you think that had? Because you look at, the minutes distributed for Oregon and, and the points distribution, they rely so heavily on their starting five. Uh, i At one point, mm-hmm. I think uh, Iowa's bench had outscored Oregon's. I mean, it was like 25 to nothing. Uh, you know, I mean, it was, uh, it, and that was. The starter
0: 67 of their points yeah. at one point.
1: And, you know, once it got late enough in the game, that it, it, it became a non-factor, but. You know for for the first 30 of the 40 minutes, their starters had played almost all 30 minutes. I'm pretty sure. And so how big of a difference would it have been for Oregon to have had to have played and then two days later turn around and play again uh, when they don't have the the depth in the bench in Iowa does could was there was that a factor?
0: So, uh, before the Oregon game, now, hold on. I don't want to just brush by the Fran McCaffrey thing, and, and I will absolutely answer that question. It's a fantastic question. You know, you, everything you said was spot on. You know, and when I, heard, when I saw Fran McCaffrey's uh, post-game com, uh, comments, for me, all I saw were just excuses all over the place. And that, to me, was the most glaring excuse there was, and it was a disservice. It was a massive disservice, not only to uh, Connor and CJ, uh, because at the end of the day, they're competitors, and it, and th- it doesn't matter, uh, uh, as Paul said, there's a difference between being injured and you know uh, uh, having an injury that you can play through. There's a massive difference, you know. There's a difference between Jack Nungey and what we saw. Uh, and it was just, it was a massive disservice. And Fran McCaffrey in his coaching, uh, in his game plan, uh, it, you know, I'm, I am don't know if he necessarily got out game plan, but he definitely did not give Iowa the best chance for success. The only time Iowa was in that game, Paul, was when he went with his more athletic lineup and allowed his two guys, Joe Wieskamp and Luca Garza, to score like they're capable of. And then he went back. And, it, and it, the game was gone. And it bothers me a lot because, you know, we always hear Fran talk about this guy in such a highlight. And, and for the most part, I like that. I like him talking about guys in a, in a, in a high manner. But it, it starts getting very annoying when, when we see how Iowa performed against Oregon and, and other games this season, Michigan, Illinois, and we don't see – Uh, the trust that he says that he has in certain guys we don't see it in fruition now uh to answer the question uh did oregon essentially have a first round by, and how big of a uh impact did it make listen i think that it helped iowa to have a game in which they played grand canyon uh in which they won i think it helped their confidence um there is such a thing as as you know, having too much time off. But as we saw with Michigan, uh, when they came back, they were strong. You know, because a lot of times that just gives you a lot of time to get healthy, Paul, um, and get get things right. Um, yes, it was essentially a first round buy. I mean, that's to answer the question very bluntly. The answer is yes. But were there positives that Iowa had um, going into the game, as such as the ones I just named? No question, and let's not forget Iowa was the two seed, and I don't think Oregon was that much more talented than what we saw. Um, I don't even—I still don't even think they were more talented than Iowa as a whole. Their starting five was for sure, uh, but as a whole, no. Um, but yes, Paul, they—they they had a first-round bye. Uh, being able to be that fresh uh, definitely helped uh, going into the game. How much? Uh, I don't know would I put it would I put the loss on the fact that Oregon had a first round buy over the fact that maybe Fran could have went heavier with minutes elsewhere? no I would not I would not put as big of a mark on that yeah, I, I totally
1: agree there I mean I, I did see it being thrown around out there so I wanted to get your take on it. Um, you know the other thing I,
0: I, I don't know that but when you before you ask this question, the, on 247Hawkeye.com, when I asked the question that I asked you, Paul, about Iowa, um, it, it's it's so annoying when people add in, you know, stuff that is just so... It's not even their poll, mm-hmm. Paul. It's it's a poll that I created. And they feel so important to add, you know, something like uh, Bush Light or ahead of Iowa State and Nebraska and things like that. That, to me, is just like, I don't know. I, there's a word I would put on it, but I'm not going to say it. But, um, anyways, the NCAA tournament. Most people think 34 votes, 15 wins, uh, 12 votes, top 25, seven All votes. Right. Go so, ahead,
1: Paul. I'm so glad that you had brought up earlier the uh, the Tennessee comeback from a, a few years ago, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, even though I wasn't able to finish that out, they they did you know come back from uh, a big deficit, forced overtime.
0: That was their closest sweet 16 appearance that we have seen yet.
1: When we look back on this Oregon game, the one thing that bothered me the most was the team gets down 16 points. And I didn't see a sense of urgency at that point uh, of, you know, again, we, I go back to their Oregon short bench. Yes. They, they, they were playing harder there, but where was, where was the, the pressing, the trapping, the, you know what I mean? The, the attempt to to say, Hey, it's winter. Go home at this point. We've got, we're, we're, we're going to go balls to the wall here. I I never saw it. Did you, did, did did I miss it?
0: Uh, There were moments that we saw it uh, again with certain lineups. Uh, You know, we saw it when I regained the lead with, you know, 41 to 38, you know, and, and the reason that is, is because the guys that were in there were capable of matching up with Oregon. Um, now, again, to answer the, your question, the, the primary guys. No, I do not. I think Luca Garza balled out. I think Joe Wieskamp balled out. They did what they were supposed to do. Uh, Joe Wieskamp camp gets um, a bad rap. You know, I think many fans are uh, get frustrated because they think he's, you know, sh- could, should be scoring twenty a night, but. The reality is Iowa's top two guys were like, what, top five in the country uh, compared to everybody else's top five? So so J- Luca Garza and Joe Weavecamp were just fine. They okay. were not the issue. Um, it's the
1: three starters with now, zero points were the issue. But okay, go ahead. Sorry to cut it off. <laughs> uh,
0: no, no, you're good. You're absolutely right. Now, uh, w- was there a sense of urgency from those guys? I would say not, but I would also say I would also say that they weren't capable of it. You know, when we saw Tennessee, the comeback against Tennessee, um, you know, actually, I'm not going to go back to that. The only thing that Iowa was capable of was if j had caught fire. But when that was obviously not going to happen, and I think Fran McCaffrey was hoping so hard that that was going to happen, but it didn't. The, the guys that 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 we are referring to, they just simply weren't capable, Paul. Uh, they could have played much harder. They could have played with a bigger sense of urgency, no doubt. But I also would argue that they weren't capable of it, uh, matching up against Oregon. Uh, yeah, they just weren't athletically. They were not, and I and you know I don't say that lightly, Paul. Uh, you know I always argue that Iowa is way more athletic than people think. Both football and basketball, which we'll get to with the football thing, uh, you know when we talk when we talk Iowa football here. But yeah, Paul, I just don't think that they were capable. But
1: but other members
0: of the team were, and Fran didn't go to it, and that's on him. Do you
1: think that their inability, uh, to to do those things was that based on these these injuries, or was this you know look, look look they were cleared to play, they they played and. Uh, so we're going to remove that excuse and just say, look, those guys just aren't as athletic as the other guys.
0: Uh, no, no, absolutely not. We, they, they, it's it's no excuse for the guys that were on the court. I mean, matter of fact, you got Jabo tweeting this, this, and this. Final four, this, so you know this, this, and it's just like that does not go out the window. It, uh, it, it, but to me, it holds even truer for Fran McCaffrey, who did know the extent of it. And if, and I think what you're getting at, Paul, is if you are going to play certain guys, then you cannot use the excuse that injury was a big reason why they didn't perform. Because if you had them out there to begin with to perform, and then they didn't perform using the injury thing when you knew that they were injured does not hold up. It just doesn't. And so, for, honestly, Paul, a lot of this is, is uh, not the loss. The loss I, I would not put on Fran. But the injury and and uh, the, the urgency uh, and feeling out the
1: game, I would put that on Fran. No question about it, Paul. I'm curious Absolutely. what you think. And, you know, here's the thing again we're talking about a win or go home situation this isn't a you know th- this isn't a game in mid december where it's just like well you know win or lose you know wh- whatever uh y- you know in 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 these one and done situations here you've got to have your most capable five guys out on the court at all times and you know at the moment you realize look may- maybe he can go but he's not effective yeah. You you have to you have to as a coach be willing to say look you're gonna just gonna have to sit I, you know I know it's gonna be hard but I'm I'm trying to win a basketball game here well you know we're gonna be off for the next week anyway hey. if if we win you know and we'll reevaluate where right. that is gonna be but um you know right now you're not helping me win basketball games and you know,
0: well, we saw this right. much of the season uh where he, where he fr- frankly, he put way too much trust in certain guys. And I think we saw that as well with the Mike Gazelle, Anthony Clemens teams, where they would play a lot. And and they actually had more of a right, in my opinion, to play so much. I think that the bench was not nearly as good mm-hmm. then as it was now. Uh, but, but, yeah, we were talking about this, uh, you know, earlier in the season. The, the, the reality simply is uh, that – you know, Fran, Fran, he put trust where it was not necessarily earned this season. Uh, as you had said it, uh, you would call it um, a lifetime achievement <laughs> award. And it, a lot of it was based on that. Uh, and, you know, and Paul, they let him down well, big time. Well, and big, so
1: you've got a whole season's worth of uh statistics you've got you know film from 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 the whole season you know there there's a part of me that that is kind of starting to point my finger at Fran a little bit here because uh you know you know who your personnel are you know it better than than anybody else um the opposing teams know who, who but you look I mean, if you if you were to just look at the other Big Ten teams, the other, especially you know the the ones that matter, the Michigan, Illinois, uh, you know the, the other good teams, did they have starters that averaged one point a game or two points a game?
0: Absolutely not, not even close. I mean, every time every time we would do, you know, I would do a pregame, uh, you know, those teams their well rounded starting five was always the highlight of their team compared to Iowa. No no doubt about it. And
1: when you've got a guy who is not even capable, because capable is that that that's that's you, you, there's no guarantee with capable. So
0: right. But, but what you do
1: have <laughs> you have a statistically proven guy like in Keegan Murray who was giving you I, I think eight or nine points uh, average eight or nine points a game It's got, you know he's correct
0: like, by the way skewed by the small minutes he was playing at the beginning right? of the season yeah, as well so
1: in in, in a, a fourth of the minutes that you're giving to a starter you know so you're getting you know you're giving eight minutes to keegan and and, and 32 minutes to connor let's just say you know he's he's getting triple the points the same amount of assists more steals more blocks it made no sense hey, ladies
0: and gentlemen we are back Nolan Hawkeye Anthony and my guy Paul Monahan. we're gonna pick up right where we left off where uh, where we left off here we're yeah. gonna do a part one and
1: part two yeah sorry so yeah you know I mean I, I was I was kind of going on a rant and I was saying like it, it made no sense in December. It made no sense in January. It definitely didn't make sense in a one and done situation to, to run a guy out there who we now find out may or may not be hurt and have to have surgery, uh, you know, who, who throughout the course of the season, wasn't giving you more than if you, if, if we were lucky and he had a big game, we were going to get six, six to nine points out of Connor. That, that, that's, you know, that was a big game. (laughs)
0: It was the game was too dang big, and you know, Paul. You know, I you know I was pretty fair all season. You know, I we probably could have went much harder on on Connor. You know, at times I would say you know he is capable of scoring between four and six points in a game. But looking back at that, that was nothing more. Now, is he capable of that? Yes, of course. Sure. I mean, hell. Uh, he's left wide open for at least four threes a game. But, um, you know, but even making that comment, even making that comment, Paul, uh, is, uh, you know, like a pity. It's like one of those things that you say to somebody in pity or, you know, you're too afraid to say, so you come up with some other kind of like backhanded compliment a little bit. And that's kind of what it was, you know. And for me, the biggest question mark, Uh, You know, in my eyes, there's no question Fran McCaffrey uh, made a mistake uh, with how much he played Connor. I also do not think that he substituted who he played for Connor correctly. A lot of times it was Joe Toussaint, and I I don't think that was right. I think Iowa could have played – you know, when Iowa went, Joe Toussaint and J-Bo – they were successful a lot of times with with those two going at it. Yeah. But a lot of times it was Joe Tassin for Jabo, and that was it. And then it would be Jabo would come in for a second for Connor, and then Connor would come right in for Joe Tassant. Mm-hmm. You know. And the bigger question is, and we're going to give our starting five here in a, in a second. But the bigger question is, where does Connor fit in next year? Uh, where does right field, dear Paul, right field? <laughs> I Listen, dude, I, I don't – listen, you know, I want to make this clear to fans out there because, you know, Paul, you and I both know this. A lot of times uh, – how do I put this gently? Um, a lot of times – well, I'm not going to say – yeah, I'll, I'll say it, It's not a big deal. You know, I just think uh, – no, I'm not going to say it. I, and I know people are going to be pissed. I'm not going to say it, but that's all right. The reality with uh, with uh, Connor is this, and this is just the 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 facts. He what no he absolutely is good enough to play in the Big Ten. He's absolutely he is not Todd Licklider's son, okay, folks? That's not him. Um, now are the stats similar? Yes, they are, okay. They are. But he is 6'5, he can handle the rock at 6'5, which I love, but his biggest strength being a 6 foot 5 point guard was rarely used was rarely used he was nothing more than a guy who stood out at the three point line who could not shoot and was a guy who was a decent passer to Luka Garza the best big man or, or maybe even a top 10 big man in all of NCA history so you know the assist to turnover ratio nonsense you know, I wish, uh, you know, we would have nipped that in the bud much sooner than we did. Um, and, in fact, Paul, I think you were the first one to actually brought that up and, you know, gave me the courage to talk about it. But, uh, yeah, you know, I'll say say this also, Paul. I do think it would be – I would be just fine with him being on the Iowa's team next year. I would. You know, it is always nice to have uh, a leader on your team – Le- leaders do not equal victory, okay? I want to make that point. You know, I'm, I'm tired of people saying senior leadership and all of this and that. It, it does not matter when you step in between the lines. W- w- when you step in between the lines, the only thing that matter are skill, physicality, and heart. That's it. Not leadership, okay? Does not matter. Um, so I would like to see him back, Paul. Uh, but uh, how much... Not a lot, and if I had to choose, you know, if Connor, if if I were to know right this second that Connor would be playing 20-plus minutes a game next year, or he could not play for Iowa, man, I think I would probably choose to just go, just to run it without him. And I know that's a big statement, but uh, and maybe hurtful, but, you know, uh, he is just not a 20-minute-plus-a-game guy, Paul. He just I wanna, isn't. He just I is want to make
1: it clear, too, this isn't a last-name issue. It's a first-name issue. Because Yes, uh, great point. You know, I, I, I find what Patrick McCaffrey, you look at what he was able to do against Oregon and, and the game he was able to play against Grand Canyon and the development that he gave us as the season went on.
0: Oh, he's looking nice. He's looking and, nice, Paul. And you is. can
1: tell he's still kind of coming back from from the cancer stuff, right? So he's still right, not right, quite where. But he was. This was his freshman year this year, and so, right. Uh, you, you know, I I I love that his, his arrow is pointed up.
0: His arrow is absolutely pointed up. Uh Yeah, Paul, you're absolutely right. It's not a last name thing. Uh, you know, back back w- uh, when, P- you know, early in Connor's c- career, when people would say, oh, he's only on Iowa because of uh, Fran. Folks, he would have been a Division I uh, basketball player regardless of Fran. I mean, he was a top 100 recruit on nearly all the recruiting sites, if not top 150. So, you know, had he not gone to Iowa, I guarantee you he w- he would have went somewhere in the Big Ten. I'll tell you that. I mean, he's, he's good enough to, to do that. So this is not a last name thing. This is a first name thing, uh, looking at it objectively. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't ask this and say that I talked about it earlier uh, in the year. Uh, you know, I did start to have some questions, Paul, about whether he was getting too many minutes because, you know, and I, and I I didn't, I don't know if I used the word nepotism or not, but you know i don't really know what other word to use besides that the, the the question did cross my mind did it ever cross yours a little bit
1: if if his name was connor connor jones or you know <laughs> would he be getting 20 plus minutes a game oh that's at, a, at, a good question 0.8 points per game on 30 minutes of play and Three, three is yeah.
0: Three, the the answer is no. Yeah, yeah. The answer is no because you know a lot of the reason why Connor plays a lot is because of how intimately Coach Fran knows Connor's game, and that's good and it's bad as we've seen. You know, it's good. It's been good at times. Uh, and 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 I also want to say, you know, Connor has been a part of three. 20-plus win teams. Uh, you know, so that's that's very solid. Um, but yeah, Paul, that's a great question. If his name was Connor Jones, no, I do not think he would be playing those minutes. Now, well, he, before we move on... He, yeah, go ahead. One more
1: thing on, on Connor, and I, you know, we, we kind of started bashing a little bit, and for that... He, yeah, we're bashing. That's all right. He,
0: we could both take it on the chin if, if somebody came yeah, to this, us. That's all right. Is,
1: this is my whole thing so we've got you know a rotation of seven eight nine guys whatever the, the rotation is right when yeah when cj frederick shoots the ball i i always think that it has a chance to go win when, when Jaybo shoots the ball from yeah. half court and in it's got a chance to go win anytime uh luca garza touched the ball the ball had a chance when 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 the ball wound up in connor's hands I mean, there was no expectation that he was going to do anything with it. You know what I mean? Like there, the, and anything that he gave Correct. was a positive. You you can't have that out of a starter playing thirty minutes. Where, well, if he gives you anything at all, it's a bonus. No, no, that's your eighth guy in the rotation. If he gives you anything at all, it's a bonus. Not 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 a starter. Great line.
0: point. Yeah, yeah, not starting five. And and listen, folks, I think we we are being more than fair. Uh, here, um, you know, you know, when, when I talked about j, j- earlier in the year and I'll make this point now, um, you know, all I was saying then, I think we were just assessing what they were capable of and what they're not. And, you know, going to Jordan, one thing that really just kind of blew my mind at the, you know, so at the beginning of the season, we weren't seeing him shoot at the volume that he was capable of, and, and he wasn't shooting at the percentage he was capable of. Then he started to hit some, but he still wasn't shooting as much as maybe he, he should have. You know, in my eyes, Paul, I would have had no problem with j shooting seven to eight shots a game. Uh, you know, he, for him to be successful, he need, needs to do that, and it really helps out the Iowa ball club. So when I questioned that early in the season, really, that's what I was questioning. Uh, and the reality is, is what we saw against Oregon. If he doesn't bring that, he is a, he was a huge liability to Iowa. And we're bringing up the same concerns with Connor. The difference is, Connor is likely coming back next year. Jabo is not. And I will say this for the Oregon game, Paul specifically. It, it, I was bothered by how little Jabo Bo did shoot against Oregon. I was very bothered yeah. by that. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't understand it. I don't and, understand. And again, it.
1: I know this is gonna be harsh and, you know, like like you said, I'm a big boy you know, but uh look, yeah. if, if Connor's gonna come back, give us, you know, two to three points a game, uh and nobody and, and no Luka Garza to assist to, and he's gonna play thirty minutes, just go work on hitting the fastball, bro. Just do it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's so true. And you know what? I don't even think that's harsh. I just think that – I think that's an honest answer. Uh, I think, you know, uh, you know, obviously Connor is a baseball player. That's where he has the best chance of, of, of doing really, really well. Um, we're not saying that we do not uh, – that what he has provided for Iowa that we do not appreciate. Uh, but there, there does come a point of diminishing returns. Now, uh, let's, let, I want to move on to this. Paul, in your eyes, is Iowa now a part of the cream of the crop in the Big Ten? Meaning, are they a top five Big Ten program?
1: Um, top five. So you're basically just kind of saying top third in the league.
0: Correct. In the best conference in the country, yes,
1: they are. Um, I I do believe that they are. I mean, because again, we're talking about a top third uh, of you know, and and we're talking about some level of sustainability uh, if if that's what we're talking about. So, is Iowa a team that
0: three tournament tournament appearances? Um,
1: You know, obviously, even, even though this was a down year, Michigan State's in there. Uh, Michigan is in there. Ohio State is in there. Illinois yes. is probably in there right now. Although we'll and, in and Iowa. Iowa, yeah. I mean, I, I I'm hesitant to put any other teams in that top third of consistency. Oh, well, Wisconsin. I, we forgot Wisconsin. So, um,
0: yeah, Wisconsin's close, but they are I would say they're just outside the top I, five. I
1: you know, it's just like football. When it comes to Iowa, Wisconsin, those two teams are just so close. And, 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 and everything, yeah. you know, if you, if you took out Iowa and put Wisconsin there, uh, if you took Wisconsin out and put Iowa there, I mean, they, you'd have a hard time losing the debate either way. So, I mean, if, if they're not right the top third of the league, they're, they're right on the line.
0: But um, now, Iowa is not elite no. yet. Yeah. I mean, to, to have been elite, they would have needed to make the Sweet 16. That did not happen. Also, going back to Wisconsin, I mean, they won the Big Ten last year. They they were co-champions. So, I mean, you know, I would say, in my eyes, I would say Illinois, uh, in the past four years, I would say Illinois, Iowa, and Wisconsin are very close to each other uh, in production. Now, Fran McCaffrey, in my opinion, is— absolutely needs to be held to a much higher standard now. You know, other people have started to started that, in my opinion, too soon. Uh, but now, unquestionably, and, and I get it, he has brought the program to where it is at now. I totally get it. I do. That, it, that maybe it's a little unfair. But you know what? Iowa needs, they are, they are a good enough school to become a Sweet 16 team. And it is time Paul. This team was too dang talented to not have made the sweet 16. And so I have, I have two questions for you. One, what standard should Fran and his success be held to? And then number two, uh, uh, I blanked on number two. I'll come back to number two, but, uh, that's my first question. You
1: know, I, I, I do think that going forward, right. Um, Frank. Now, again, you you have to look at the evolution. So he he took over a program that was an absolute wreck, an absolute dumpster fire. We, you know, it, it the, the cupboard was was pretty bare. Uh, he had to re-recruit guys, uh, and and
0: yeah, we're not talking Indiana and right. Minnesota right and now.
1: So from where the program started to where it is today, there has been growth the whole time. Uh, It may not have come as quickly as as Iowa fans would have liked for it to come. Um, But it's been there. You know, you you saw it growing with NITs and NCAA tournament bids, and, uh, you know, the round of 32. But Iowa absolutely needs to to take that next step. Um, And I do think, you know, there's enough in-state talent. And I think Fran has a good eye for talent. So, uh, but, you know... I was going to have to learn to play some defense, consistent defense. Uh, and so, yeah. And, and we've been saying this thing, feels like for 10 years that, you know, uh, once, once they figure out how to play a little defense, you know, France teams are always going to score, but you know, can they play defense? So that's, that was, you know, something I had, I wanted to bring up a point about the NCAA tournament real quick. And, and then maybe we can move on to football. Um, when you look at the big 10, cause you brought up the big 10 being the best conference and we only have one team left. I'm in Florida. I'm, I'm hearing the, the local guys here banging on the big 10 uh, saying, you know, that they had too many bids and, and the, the big 10 was, was overrated. And, and you're, you're kind of getting that out of the national guys too, about the big 10 being overrated this year. Look at,
0: the same national guys who graduated from Syracuse or a school sure. not in the Big uh, Ten, yeah.
1: But <laughs> you know, you're, you're you're looking at results, and I'm not again. You know, we're not about excuses around here, and we are definitely facts over feelings. Look at where the Big Ten. Yep. Look at the teams in the tournament. Look at uh, Illinois with Iodissumu. You know, he he had the injury. He was wearing the face mask. Now he he got that right before the Big Ten tournament. But they weren't at 100%. I wouldn't call Illinois at 100%. Michigan's missing uh, Isaiah Livers. They're not at 100%. You, obviously, we we heard from, from Fran about Connor and C.J. Frederick and things like that. They weren't at 100%. The, this Big Ten season right. absolutely – Took its toll out on these Big Ten teams, and uh, you know some of these other schools, the the Oregon's and the, the whatever that they only played half a season. They're fresher, they're healthier, and and things like that. The Big Ten battled for two months as the best league in the country, and they beat each other up. And we are you're seeing the results. That I I honestly believe that you're seeing the results of of the that that the 3 month long battle had play out in the tournament. Do mm-hmm. you have any thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, listen, the Big 10 is not overrated. It was the best conference by a good margin uh, during the okay, regular I, season, folks. I forgot the NCAA to mention
1: Joe, tournament Joe Winsham, is camp to with his ankle. Uh uh, uh oh, yeah. Lindell at Ohio State got hurt. Uh I'm 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 just saying the big the Big Ten was a wounded warrior coming into the NCAA tournament. That was all. That was all.
0: correct. Uh it, you know, listen folks, the NCA tournament is is so much different than than anything else. I mean it I, I can't even compare it to anything. I can't it's hard to even articulate it myself. The NCAA tournament I was a part of is still different than the 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 group of 64 um you know there's there's the positive in being a part of the big 10 is the chance to get quality quadrant 1 and quadrant 2 victories up the wazoo uh however in doing that you are consistently playing against a certain group of teams with a certain style that you don't get when you have maybe more, uh, more preseason games. And so, it, you know, it's a give and take, Paul. It, it definitely is. I don't think that this NCAA tournament is representative. You know, obviously, um, Ohio State, Iowa, and Illinois did not hold up to their end of the bargain. That is fair. Uh, but with Michigan's injury and thing, things like that, listen, at the end of the day, the Big Ten did not perform like they should. But it also should be said that the NCAA tournament is, again, it's all, it's, it's, its own thing. Anything can happen. Uh, it, it is so much different than regular season games. Uh, and I know maybe some people are like, well, it's still a game, so how much different can it be? Trust me, it is so much different. Now, uh, before we move on here, um, I did have a, a really good question that I wanted to ask you, but I, but I did forget about it here, Paul. Um, real quick, what is your starting lineup? Let's just uh, you know in the next minute or two here. Let's give our starting lineups for next season um, with with the assumption right. Joe we So comes I'm back. I'm
1: running uh, Joe Tucson at the point. Uh, I'm going to have yeah. CJ Frederick at the two. Um, I'm probably going to go uh, Weese Camp at the three, uh, and then. Yeah. Uh, Murray well and, and Are we are we thinking Jack nungie Is going to be healthy or healthy ish Okay all right So yeah I do uh, I'm, you know I've got Murray Then kind of at the four with Nunji At the five
0: Listen Dude I am in absolute Agreement however Folks do not be shocked And I said this before I Could see a situation where Somehow Connor's in there and uh, as crazy as it would be and and honestly Fran would take a lot of heat if that happened uh, I could still see it happening I could also see CJ Frederick being a six-man I could absolutely see that uh, and and I could see um, Iowa uh, putting someone else in there maybe Patrick McCaffrey starts maybe you know maybe it's uh, now folks what the the starting lineup that Paul just gave, that's what I would go with as well. But I'm just saying what else I could see. You know, I could see Patrick McCaffrey sliding in there um, uh, with Joe Weeds, can't play in the two, but Joe would need to get much better with his ball handling. It's not that his ball handling's bad, just it's it's not necessarily elite for a guard either. Um, you know, he would need to do that. Um, but yeah, th- Paul, that's that's what I see for the starting lineup as well. I'm, I'm really bummed out that I forgot uh, the, that, the the question, because it, it was it was a big one. Um, but you know, just to put a bow on this, folks, Iowa came up short. Um, but as Paul said, the program's traje- trajectory has consistently gone up. It, at, at times it's gone backwards in order to move forwards, but it has consistently gone up, folks. This team has made three NCA tournaments in a row you know, technically two, but also technically three. They would have made the NCAA tournament last year. So now are they a team, a program now that can make the NCAA tournament four out of four years? I think so. I absolutely think so. And as Paul said, the in-state recruiting is absolutely good enough. Um, It'll be interesting if Xavier Foster stays at Iowa State, Paul, I can absolutely see him transferring to Iowa. That would not surprise me uh, at all if that happened. It it wouldn't shock me if Iowa is in communication. Now, I have not heard anything about that, okay? Uh, So this is just rumor, but I I could see that happening. And then also Fran, we have seen, is an excellent um, observant of talent. And also moving forward, talking about the defense, okay? I have said many times that defense is mostly heart. It is mostly heart and a desire to play defense. And I think we saw that with this Iowa team when they wanted to play defense, when, when they went to man and it was on each individual to defend, they got much better. However, there is a ceiling to how good, uh, even with the biggest heart in the world, how good a defense can be. And, and, the reality is, with this group, Paul, with Jabo, um, th- this lot, you know, Jabo and Luca being gone, I would say this is the last group that is leaving. That was that was with the group that all they were were just a fly high flying offense. Um, that that you know where they were not forced to play defense because they weren't. They didn't. The bench wasn't there to push them. You know, they they had their starting spots. Uh, sealed in i think iowa has the guys uh as well not only athletically but physically and i mean physicality to be a good defensive team i don't want it to be forgotten that this iowa team became a top 50 defensive team so it is absolutely possible but it needs to stay consistent it must stay consistent um uh and you know folks Uh, This Iowa team is in a fantastic spot. Uh, The reality is Fran will be held to a higher standard. He must get to a sweet 16. That must be done. Iowa has one of the best coaching staffs in the country, both at developing talent and just coaching in general. But Fran needs to get over that hump plain and simple. Um, Yeah, it's, it's, Paul, I swear to you, it's bothering me so much. That I forgot uh, the question because because I think it, it it was I think it was a pretty important question. But any last things you want to say about uh, Iowa basketball? Yeah. Let's move so, on yeah, to yeah, Iowa one, football. One last
1: quick comment. Hey, you know everybody, calm down. Uh, you know, you know, obviously we're all disappointed. Yeah. Uh, you know, we we thought Sweet Sixteen, Elite Eight, Final Four that 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 all of that was a possibility. Um, and you know.
0: Here was the question, Paul. Here's the question. I think you're answering it right now. Did Iowa meet expectations? What, and you wrote an article about this. I suggest you, y'all you go and read it at 247hawkeye.com. There yeah, you go. For Paul. Me, that I was think the question. they did.
1: They, they did. Uh, you know, the situation obviously is a fluid one. And you have to, you can't just look and say, well, the team ended in the round of 32 again. So, no. They didn't get there or no, they didn't win a big 10. They didn't win the, the, the big 10 tournament. So no, they didn't quite meet their expectations. Look, you look at from from the first game of the season to the last game of the season, um, this was a team that, that absolutely they were destroying people early Uh in the season. You look at what they did in the non-conference they took, they took out North Carolina and Iowa state, um, you know, which, you know, it turns out the Iowa State win wasn't, but yeah, you know, the you know, the North Carolina, again, there's a big win. That was a big um, win. You know, they, they I thought they, you know, they, they, they had a fluke loss against Indiana or against Minnesota on the road. Um, and, 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 but outside of a few hiccups along the way, I thought the team performed the way we thought they would. Um, you know, we had the scare there with with Wieskamp going down with the ankle, um, and things like that. But you you look at the totality of it all. I, for me, they met my expectations. I'm really excited about the potential for uh, next year and into the future because you look at the guys that are leaving, and you said, "Well, how is Iowa going to?" Well, you don't just replace Aluka Garza, right? You, you, you know, he's he, he he's right. not walking back through this door, but. How do we recreate him? Well, you get longer and you get quicker, and Which it, it Iowa has done. Guys like Tony Perkins and and Joe Toussaint yeah, and Aaron Yulez, Aaron uh, Uless. Keegan Murray, and, and Patrick.
0: Keegan, yeah, if those five Stafford. right there,
1: you know, we're we're talking about the ability now. To play man-to-man defense. And when you look at, because you talked about Iowa's defensive rating jumping up to 50, that wasn't because all of a sudden Jordan Bohannon started playing defense. or (laughs) CJ. It was because Fran kind of figured out a defensive lineup. And when we needed to get stops, when we needed to get in your face and just play some lockdown, screw you defense, we had the guys to do it, and we did it. And so I'm excited about that potential and those guys getting more minutes out of necessity because we're not going to be able to ride J Bo Connor and Luca for 30 plus minutes a game while we've got guys on the, you know, that are getting six minutes or eight minutes a game who are capable of doing things that those guys just couldn't, can't, and will never be able to do.
0: Absolutely. Paul fantastically said, um, I think that's a good spot to end on Iowa basketball. By the way, uh, the Iowa women's team moved into the Sweet 16. Congrats to the ladies on that. You know, they, their program is in a phenomenal spot as well. Uh, and so congrats to them on that. Um, you know, uh, my final two cents on, on the basketball is, you know, I made this point, uh, Paul, when, when people said that Iowa would be lucky to win 15 games. Um, and they, they had an injury in that season, and, by, you know, they won 20 games. When a guy goes down, it's not a zero-sum game. You know, when a guy goes down, two or three other guys can pick up the slack for another guy. With, you know, without Luca Garza uh, and j you know, every team is different. And, and what Iowa becomes next year may be better as a team than what Iowa was able to become this year. It's just, it's, it's so different, but absolutely Iowa met expectations this season as a basketball team in its entirety. No, if, and, buts about it. Wisconsin did not. Uh, you know, that's an example of not meeting expectations. Iowa absolutely did. All right. Iowa football, ladies and gentlemen, we have the pro day and you know, a common thing that Iowa fans say against certain teams is that Iowa, uh, is not athletic, which is just ridiculous. It's just a ridiculous comment all around when somebody uh, makes that statement. Uh, Paul, Iowa just dominated the, the pro day. Um, I'm going to pull up when the spring day is as well. Let, let's just go over some of the results here. Uh, Barrington Wade ran a four He checked in at six one. Um, he also had a broad jump of nine feet ten inches. That's phenomenal. Um, I'll get to the winner of the day here in a second, the other linebacker. Um, you know, Paul, what we'll do is we'll talk about each individual person he- here and 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 just talk about if they improve their stock and, and things like that. We'll start with Amir Smith-Marset. Uh, right now, he is a day three guy. He is uh, a day three, maybe a day two guy. A lot of people love uh, his uh explosiveness his versatility uh all the things that he can do a lot of people love that and I agree and I think his production at Iowa was more than acceptable to be comfortable with taking him as a wide receiver at the next level he had um he ran a 4 40 he checked in at almost 6-1 he was very close to 6-1 but he's six foot Um, 181 pounds. I think he probably needs to get that up. I think he, but in my opinion, he probably checked in at 181 so he could run a faster 40. Um, you know, he probably needs to be playing at about 190. That's, that's my take on it. Um, he had a broad jump of 10 feet, four inches. Um, and you know, I, I put this on Facebook, Paul. His 40 yard dash would have been good enough for seventh uh, uh, at the NFL uh, Combine last year for wide receivers. Well, what do you think? Did Amir Smith-Marset hurt, help, or stay the same for his uh, draft situation? So I think
1: everybody already knew he was fast. Uh, he was at least, quote-unquote, Big Ten fast, you know? Um, mm. I So I think with his performance, um, he, 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 I, I – I think he he confirmed. So you know, did he did he wow? I don't think so. Did he disappoint? I don't think so. I think the, the scouts probably said, look, he's probably you know a, a low four fours guy, um, and uh, you know we know he's explosive and, and things like that uh, can run away from a defense. And so for him, he 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 didn't lose any draft spots. I don't think he necessarily you know. Gain, you know, I don't, I think he just confirmed where he is. He's a day two, day three pick.
0: Absolutely, and and let's stick with the wide receivers. Let's go to Brandon Smith. Um, you know, Paul, I, I was a little surprised that he checked in at six Um, I thought he was going to check in at about six two, maybe even six three. Uh, he did come in at two hundred eighteen pounds. That's worth note. Okay. Uh, And also, he is very long. Okay, he is very, very long. But I am surprised, Paul, that he checked in at six one. Um, he ran a four six two forty. Not phenomenal, but considering he is a bigger wide receiver, uh, coming in at two hundred eighteen pounds, which is forty pounds heavier than Amir Smith Marset, his forty yard dash, in my opinion, was more than successful. Uh, uh at 462. He had a 39 and a half foot vertical jump, which me and Paul both said that he was going to jump, you know, between 38 and 42 inches. And we saw he jumped 40 inches somewhere else, so his athleticism is through the roof uh, through the roof. He also had a 10 10 broad jump and his best performance was probably the bench, Paul, with 21 reps. How, what did Brandon Smith in your eyes perform the same, uh, help him uh, keep him the same, better or worse? And if he did better, is it good enough to be drafted? So
1: Brandon Smith's going to be one of the steals of the draft. Uh, you know, now mm. whether or not he actually, you know, gets drafted or, you know, he, he he's a free agent signing. He absolutely, uh uh, look, for all the reasons you mentioned you know at his at his size uh his build for him to run in the four six you know may- maybe it's a little that's a little slow for for a receiver but the things that he can do um you know at, at, as a potential red zone threat uh, his ability to, to high point a football yeah. there there's film of him being able to you know he's got big hands strong hands uh these are things that that the NFL teams will value um, again, whether or not he gets drafted, you know, I, I think he has the potential to be a late round pick uh, definitely a free agent. And um, I, yeah, again, similar to, to Smith Marset uh, he, he certainly didn't do anything to hurt his draft stock. I, you know, he probably would have liked for him to run in the four or five, if he was able to have run in the four or fives, you know, he would
0: have helped. Yeah, he would have helped himself tremendously outside, there. Um, tremendously, uh,
1: but but outside of the outside what? time, you know, uh, I, I, I think he did he did what he needed to do, um, and and again, I I, I think uh, he is definitely my prediction. Uh, you know, there wasn't a, a lot of fanfare about George Kittle, uh, you know. C- you know, and he, he, he was, you know, mm. and you look at what he's become. If if anybody out of this class, uh, 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 you know, has a chance to have that type of trajectory, uh, it, it would be him.
0: Yeah, no question about it. Brandon Smith, in my opinion, uh, has very, very high upside. I think he will be taken in the sixth or seventh round. I think he could maybe even be taken in the fifth. Um, you you know, at the end of the day, uh, he was, his numbers were just fine at Iowa. Um, Iowa did not even use him as well as they could have. I mean, the dude came down with every 50, 50 ball. And yet Iowa did not aggressively attack that as much as they should have and could have. He was a part of the best scoring Iowa offense in like almost 10 years. Um, here is a thing, by the way. I don't know who put this up, but it's, a, and it's, it's an athleticism grade. Um, and, uh, and I think it puts together all uh, everything. And, I, and my guess is the 40-yard dash is probably the highest graded thing on it. Amir Smith-Marset came in at sixth. And just to put it into perspective here, this is all wide receivers that are going to the draft. Rondell Moore was second. Uh an uh, Illinois wide receiver was third, Amir Smith marset was sixth, and Brandon Smith came in as 17th. Folks, I also say this: his broad jump and his um and his vertical jump, that those were the biggest numbers for him. For a guy who plays an X receiver, those were the biggest numbers for him, and he did what he was supposed to do. So congrats. All right, let's let's go a little bit faster through these. Um, let's see here. Uh, gosh darn it, because I, I, you know, your boy here uh, clicked on Brandon Smith. Uh, so I'm, I'm all out of the Iowa football stuff here. Uh, but the, the guy, let's talk about Sean Beyer. Uh, by the way, Paul, do you think Brandon will be take, be, be drafted, yes or no?
1: I'm going to say no, but um, I, I don't think, he, mm. but again, I, I think he, he gets a free agent. Uh, he, he signs with some team as a free agent, and I do think he, uh, he earns a spot.
0: Love it, love it, love it. All right, uh, so the, by the way, folks, the guys that are pretty much guaranteed to get drafted at this point are uh, Alaric Jackson, Chauncey Golston, uh, Amir Smith-Marset, and Davion Nixon. Those are the four guys. I think Iowa can maybe get five, maybe six. Uh, maybe six. Chauncey Golston. He checked in at 6'5". That was very impressive to me. Um, I'm I'm happy about that. He checked in at two sixty nine, so almost two seventy. I think he lost weight in order to run a better forty. I think he plays his planks. Uh, weight is about two eighty. He ran a four seven nine dash. Um, I believe that's good for a defensive end. I don't. What did AJ Epenesa run, Paul? Do very you remember?
1: Disappointing, like.
0: 5.5 Five second. Yeah. 5.01. He ran a 5.01. I remember now. Um, and the vertical jump that Chauncey had was 36 inches, Paul. A broad jump of 9.11. And he put up 22 reps on the bench. Not great, but, but just enough. I think Chauncey Golston did sneaky good here. What do um, you think? You know, I,
1: I think... I'd like to I'd have to have liked seen him put up a couple more reps on the bench. Uh because he's he's not he's not AJ Epinesa, right? So, you know, he's not um he's not yeah. considered that edge rusher guy. I mean he's he's more of the quote unquote like big defensive end, I, I would have thought. Um kind of
0: and, yeah, he's and, almost six he six, six of, yeah, you know, or six five fully, yeah.
1: That kind of thing. Um you know, so I don't know. I I, I I don't. Depending on what you're, you know, what what you're wanting from a Chauncey Golston, you know, I, I'd say he had an okay day. It wasn't, you know, he he didn't blow he he didn't blow it away for me, um, but he also didn't, you know, he didn't run a five something forty. So there's that.
0: Right. Um. We're we're gonna smash through this a little bit more and just give our take on it. Um, here, you know, for the defensive line, I'm going to go through some numbers here. Um, you know, uh, and also folks, Chauncey Goldston, in my opinion, can also play defensive tackle. I think he can also play in a three, four as a defensive end. I think he can be a four, three B tackle or the end. And I also think that he can be just a defensive tackle. I think he can transition to that. Um, I don't remember what, uh, uh Anthony Nelson ran. Um, I, I'm going to look that up. AJ Finesa ran a 5.04. He only had 17 reps on the, on the, on the bench press. I mean, no wonder he slid to the second round. Um, it, I mean, Paul, in every sense, uh, Chauncey Golston did better than him. And looking at this, you know, four, eight, seven, four, eight, nine, four, seven, four, eight, nine, five, two, six, five point zero seven. Uh, I don't know if he ran, um, you know, the fastest 40 for a defensive end, but it was definitely top 10. It would have been top 10 for last year. So, so there's, so there's that, folks. All right. Let's, let's knock out some of these other ones. Um, we got, uh, let's see Nick who Neiman. else we got here. Uh, Davion Nixon. Yeah. We'll get to nicknaming here in a second. Davion Nixon, the, the highest graded Iowa player. Um, Checked in at 6'3", I think that was big time for him, 313 pounds. And this is where I think he made some money here. At 6'3", 313 pounds, he ran a 4.940, which is faster than A.J. Epinesa and was very – and was pretty – well, not close. Uh, I mean, Chauncey Golson ran a 4.79, which, you know, given the numbers I just gave was actually pretty fast. Um, The 4.9 for defensive tackle, Paul – was phenomenal. What in the 470 yeah, shuttle? So we, what do you think you on know, we that? Saw
1: it. We, we saw it through eight football games this year. Should have been nine, should have been 10. Uh, <laughs> uh,
0: but, <laughs> I Corona. <laughs> uh, but big time by him. You know, listen, folks, uh, David on Nixon, it, you know, I think he is, I think if a team. In the, in the first round falls in love with him I think he's a safe first round pick Paul I really do I don't really think That there's any issue Or any glaring Marks not to take Him so in the first round you know what do you think
1: With guys um, you know Like like you mentioned um, and certainly You know a bunch of guys Are going to go from Alabama uh, A bunch of guys are going to go from different places but Right And people love you know, Iowa Guys coach. too uh, that that an urban Meyer who's uh who's who's seen you know who knows the, mm-hmm. the Iowa program pretty well. Um, the Jaguars have picks at nice. 25 and the first pick of the second round at 33, and they absolutely need uh a, a defensive help on the defensive line. Um, I could absolutely see them.
0: Are they rumored to be I interested not, in uh, Nixon? Uh, have I, you read as that? As far
1: as what the Jaguars' biggest needs are, um, you know, quarterback, it's quarterback, tight end, Makes. and defensive line. And uh and and Nixon, I think, would absolutely be there, uh, twenty-five or thirty-three. So uh that's gonna be my prediction is that uh if he if he doesn't go late first round to the Jaguars and he's sitting there at 33, uh, I think the Jaguars take him off the board.
0: So would that it's still the, be first round 33 first or would that be second early round. second? Okay. Gotcha. I, I love it. Love it. And you know what? If you went first pick of the second, I think I would be okay with that. Obviously as an Iowa fan, I want it to be three. Uh, what would it be? Three or four straight years with an Iowa guy in the first round. Let's see here. We had last year, Tristan worst, The year before that uh, the two tight ends, TJ Hawkinson, and Noah Fant in the year before that, I, I can't remember, but I believe we did have a first round. All right, the winner of the draft. And your boy here told y'all that Nick Neiman was was uh, a great linebacker. Uh, you know, he was just waiting his turn at Iowa. And then also we saw, we've seen what his brother Ben can do. You know, both of them are well-coached. And, and it just bothers me. You know, Paul, we have gone through all of these guys' numbers, and none of these guys' numbers – are overwhelming. All of them are actually overwhelming, if not, you know, what we would know they should do because we know what they're capable of. But this just shows how actually athletic the Iowa football team really is and why they are tops of the big 10. Nick and fans, if you out there say that Iowa is unathletic, I'm gonna check you on that every time because it's just not the case. Nick Neiman. Checked in at 6'3". Folks, that is massive, okay? Being a 6'3 linebacker is absolutely huge, okay? Uh, because it makes the field look that much smaller for quarterbacks when you have a big 6'3 uh, linebacker out there. He weighed in at 234, okay? His playing, playing weight, in my opinion, is anywhere from 230 to 245, depending on if he's an outside guy or an inside guy. Although with his he's probably an outside guy. He ran a 4, 4 5, 40, which was two, 0.2 tenths of a second off of Amir Smith-Marset, ladies and gentlemen. Let that sink in. He ran faster than Brandon Smith, okay? Let that sink in, y'all, okay? That is massive. And then on top of that, he had a 10-1 broad jump and a 6.67 uh, uh, three-cone drill. Nick Neiman made himself some money, folks. I think people. I think the the people are going to take notice of this. The NFL, uh, you know, individuals. I think he was already on the draft boards, but I think he just moved himself up a lot higher on a lot more draft boards. And I think, uh, Paul, I got to be honest with you, I could absolutely see Kansas City, or you know, taking. A uh, Ben Neiman's brother, or some—I I think Nick Neiman just performed himself into uh, a draft pick, and not to mention he was one of the Big Ten's best linebackers last year. It's not as though this was just a crazy good athletic performance. He also has been a damn good linebacker for, for the Hawkeyes. Two
1: thousand and circa two thousand five, his his pro day numbers beat Chad Greenway's.
0: Wow. Wow. That's big time. That's absolutely massive. I mean, so for you, has he played himself into a draft pick in, in your role, in your opinion? I think so.
1: I I, I think with those measurables uh, and coaches love that. And then you turn on the film of the guy um, and you're, you're, you know, he's just, he's been consistent, you know, um, because of the, the defense Iowa runs, um, you know, he, he doesn't necessarily have the sack numbers or things like that that, you know, that that, you know, that national guys are going to pick up on and go, well, this guy's a player. But production-wise, consistency. And now you look at the metrics that he's putting up, that he put up at the pro day, uh, you know, uh, this is why these guys are, are, are paid big money to find guys and, and I, I think Neiman is going to come away um, with some money out of that.
0: Yeah, I think he is a perfect fifth round, sixth round pick, Paul. I I really do. He is exactly what you're looking for in the, in those later, you know, uh, uh, late fourth, early fifth, you know, sixth, seventh. I absolutely agree with you. All right, let's move on to Sean Beyer here and then we'll finish with the Larrick Jackson and, uh, I'm trying to see when the when the spring game is, Paul. Uh, I don't know if you can pull that up for me. Uh, Sean Beyer, this is what um, – and I knew this was going to happen. I said this was going to happen. Sean Beyer, uh, you know, NFL teams are absolutely excited. NFL teams know what happened with George Kittle, where he was drafted, and what he ended up being in the NFL. Uh, Noah Fant and TJ Hawkinson right now are top 10 tight ends in the NFL in only playing two years in the NFL. Listen, folks, Sean Byer, I'll pull up his numbers, but this is what uh, some folks have said about him. Uh, This is uh, somebody from the draft wire. Byer's athleticism and natural pass catching ability stands out to me. Um, Jacob Afonte said, his wide receiver background is apparent on tape as he as he he has hands catcher who he's a hands catcher who tracks the ball down well and has the body control needed to square up and make the catch. He's fluid across the middle of the field and bursts well off the snap. For being somewhat new to the biz, position, he has a good feel as a zone blocker and can place his hands well as a down blocker to see off lanes in the running game. Listen, folks, Sean Byer. The only reason.